Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. We're going to preach about purpose. Are you ready? All right. So it's no God. Hey, not bad. It's not even on the screen. Okay. No God. Love people, live purpose. We've talked about know God. The first step in our journey towards God is to actually know God, to understand who Jesus is and what He's done. We want, we want people to know that. That's why I talk about Jesus every week. Then, you, without one of the main things that actually happens, as you come to know God, you actually begin to love Him. You begin to realize, oh, hold on a second, I, I, I want to love this God. How do I love this God? And he says, well, if you want to love me, you will follow my ways and you'll give up my, your life for me. So, so we begin to do that. And in doing that, part of that is like, okay, if you love me, you've got to love my people. So it's like, you can't love me and not love people. In fact, he, see, he goes as far as to say as this. He says, if you say you love me and yet don't love people, there's something wrong with the equation. So Jesus is a little like that. He's a little bit authentic and real. In fact, he's not a little bit. He is authentic and real. He takes it right to the bone. And then that means that we have to act different. And then that means that, well, how do I act different? He, well, He gives us the Holy Spirit, who's a guide in us, who actually helps us walk through these things. In, and where we find we're weak, He is strong, right? And then as we're loving people, I want to tell you something. Loving people and finding your purpose are actually connected. Loving people and finding your purpose are actually connected. I want you to know something. I truly believe this. I don't know what you believe about this, but this is what I've discovered, is that your destiny is tied up in the people that God has put around you. So, so many of us think that it's all up to us. Let me tell you something. It's not. It's up to what God has given you and how we actually steward that. Okay, and, and, and a big part of that stewardship is to actually love people. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, I, I've found it so many times where there's been people that I don't like. I'll be honest with you. I just don't like them. And then people are like sitting here going, was that me? I hope it wasn't me. But uh, it's none of you. It was other people from, you know, <laughs> um, from my, you know, back, when, back in my past or whatever. Just kidding. But, uh, you know, that, that these people that I, I thought I wouldn't like or didn't like who have actually shaped my future. Because I've remembered, you know, oh, hold on a second, I'm supposed to love people. I'm not supposed to just cut people out. Your purpose is tied up in who you love. <clears throat> but that's not exactly what I'm preaching about today. We, we want to see every member of, of C3 Mumbai discover and begin to live out their purpose. But I want to ask you a question about purpose is what does the world project as to be purpose or successful? A person who's living out their purpose, you know. What, what does the world, what would you imagine would be the picture, if you could put it in a picture, if you could see it on a billboard, what would that billboard do and say? What would be on that billboard? This person is living out their purpose. What would it have on it? You know, uh, I... I one of the things about Mumbai that's, uh, that's quite amazing is the, the, the lengths to which building companies go to make people buy their properties. And some of the advertising is pretty good. I mean, it's pretty good. 
some of these companies out there, and if you work for one, I'm good for you. It's all good. I'm not against it. But, but what they project is, is kind of, they've got it worked out. You know, they'll have some person who's standing there with a, uh, maybe some sort of uh, glass, stemmed glass, with like something that maybe re- resembles like a martini with the olive in it and they're on a balcony and they're looking out across the city and if it's a male then there's a there's a there's a there's a beautiful woman sitting on a chair just behind him like this she's got sunglasses on and she's you know also sipping a martini with him he's looking out because he's a man of vision and he's living his destiny and he's wearing a very finely cut suit and he's got really sharp shoes on and he's looking the part and he's, you know, finished work for the week because he doesn't have to work a thousand hour week like everybody else. So he's got it made. He's living out his purpose. And then if they're, the next picture is just his perfect kids who, who just behave every day, even when you're in church, like even when, you know... You would like your wife to be sitting on the front row with you, but she's out the back trying to look after your daughter. It's not that. It's this perfect kids, you know, who have got it all worked out because they're living out their purpose. Isn't that true, right? That's what the world kind of projects as, you know, you're living out your destiny, you're living out your purpose. And, and we all look at that and go, wow, even I, I go, wow, <laughs> if only I could have that. And I look at the the car next to me, and I could see, oh, maybe they've got that. They've got a nicer car than me. Maybe I was like, I want, I want that, Lord. Like, in Jesus' name, I just pray, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you'll find that a lot is what, what, have, what is projected as a person living out their purpose in this world is actually just material stuff. Nothing wrong with material stuff. Nothing wrong with if you want to, if you want to drink from a glass stem glass and, and, um, and have a pretty wife and wear finely cut suits and wear drive like this. I don't have a problem with that, but, but, but let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. That is not one's purpose, Okay. Um, the, the world projects it as it being the thing that would be the marker of that guy has found it. He has found what he is living for. You know, a lot of the time what we see projected would be positive circumstances. You never see the, the, the builders or any of these guys say, okay, we need to advertise our building. I'm just going to advertise and we're going to find someone from the cancer ward who's dying. We're going to put them on there you know, bald and in a, in a hospital gown, they're going to just be standing out looking over the balcony. Nobody's going to buy that property, are they? You know, no one's going to buy that property. It's always this positive facade. But is positivity a marker that one is living out their purpose? Are positive circumstances a marker that one is actually living out their purpose? I, I don't know. I'll leave that to you to think about. You always see people in good health, so they're healthy. My question to you, my second question, would be this. Can a person have all these things, the positive things, the good things, those things that are projected, and be living out their purpose? Can a, can a person, or can I say it again, can a person have all these things and be living out their purpose? Just listen to the question. Can a person have 
all of the material things that are projected out there? Can they have all of these things and be living out their purpose? They can. But can they also not be living out their purpose and have all of those things? Right? So they're not markers of a purpose. They're not markers of one's, one's made it in life and living out what they're born for. These are not the telltale signs of one living out their purpose. Now, when you look at the Bible, the people in the Bible, a lot of the main people that are projected from the Bible that have been recorded, these people all had a clear calling. And you can see from a bird's eye view of reading their lives and how God was outworking, kind of working in their lives, how they, they were living out a purpose that was on track with God. And although there may have been ups and downs in their journey, they were actually living out a calling. And it's very clear because we can see it recorded. And, and this purpose and this calling always came as a result of an encountering God. You'll see, whenever God came on the scene, destiny would come into order. Destiny was spoken into people's lives. Their purpose, they would begin to live it. We spoke about Paul, right, last three weeks ago, who, who met God. God kind of intervened on him. And, and in the, like in that moment, God changed his destiny and began to live out his purpose and destiny. Others in the Bible, people like Moses, if you read about Moses, him encountering God, that changed his life. That changed the, the pathway, his course. It totally changed when, when he met Jesus or, or met with God. Or, uh, Esther, you girls, have you read about Esther? She inter God intervenes into her, her life and, and everything's different. Everything's changed as a result. Daniel, if you read about Daniel, he, he has this encounter with God and his calling, purpose. It's there, you can see it mapped out. Ruth, I could go on and on and on. There's not just men, there's women and men where you see them meet with God and destiny and purpose and calling comes. Everything changes. But here's the deal that you have to understand. I'm, I'm coming to this point. I've been, been wanting to drop this into your lap for you to think about. And that is this. These people didn't always have it sorted. These people didn't always have great circumstances. In fact, a lot of the time you would find that the main thing that God would do in their world that would change everything would be times of persecution or times of hardship or times of, of where, 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 where you're like, God, where are you and how are you going to come through? So if you are in that time right now, if you're in a time of hardship, if you're in a time of circumstance where you're like, I don't know what's going on, I don't know, God needs to intervene, let me tell you something, you're in a good place because maybe this is where God has got you. Because he's going to do something great. And if you believe that, I want you to just grab a hold of that and believe it. And don't let go of it. You'll find that the wilderness in the Bible speaks of purpose. The wilderness speaks of destiny. You'll find that suffering, where there's suffering, I mean, Jesus, he modeled it. Where there was suffering on the cross, there was resurrection. There was life that came about. Where there is pain, where there's loss and sacrifice, Man, in the, the common thread that runs through all of these stories in the Bible, including the gospel, including the story of Christ, is that, that God, through it all, was faithful and remained true. And there's another common thread that runs through every one of them. 
every one of them. And it's this, that every one of these people's purposes, the difference that they made was not for themselves but for others. The difference that they made was not for themselves but it was for others. And this is important. Because this is contrary to the system of the world that would tell you that if you are living out your purpose, you've found it for yourself. The world says, your purpose is about self. The Bible says, your purpose is about others. Now, I'm going to make this easier for you to understand if this is coming to you like, what is he talking about? Like, okay, and if any, I'm not telling you this to feel, make you feel guilty. I'm not saying this to make you to suddenly think, well, oh gosh, am I living for myself? If I'm living for myself, then I'm guilty, and oh well, gosh, I better run now. There's the door, you know, I'm going. It's not why I tell you that. I'm telling you this so you understand the priority of the Bible. And when you find, when you see these opportunities for others, that you might go, hold on a second, no, no, I'm too busy on my own journey here for myself, you could be missing out on the very thing you were born to do. Because every one of the people in the Bible, their destiny was tied up in somebody else. Their purpose was found as they served others. I mean, read about Jacob. It was all tied up in someone else. You read about every one of them. It wasn't just them discovering who they are and, you know, just learning and learning and learning and learning and then all of a sudden they're living their purpose. That's not how it worked out. There was always someone else that they served. And see, this is why it's important for you to do the journey. Because you're going to understand this is what we're about as a church. We as a church are not about you coming along and just hearing from my ability to kind of talk about the Bible to you. Although you're going to learn something from that and you'll be blessed, but we're not here just to bless people through that. We're here to bless this city through serving. All in, all involved. And you're going to learn about that in the journey. And, and, and as you turn up every week for that journey series when we start in March, you're going to learn about it and you're going to be inspired and you're going to find that your calling is actually tied up in other people. Contrary to the system of the world, and, and let me tell you something, this is the essence of the gospel. I mean, th- let, me, let me show you this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter um, 8, verses nine, verse 9. It says this about Jesus. This is Jesus living out His call, His purpose, His calling, right? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, and when I say Jesus was rich, He was rich. He was rich. Like, I mean, I'm talking about God can say gold and gold appears. Anybody else here got that ability? I'm just going to try it out. Gold. Oh, wouldn't that be awesome if there was gold there? Anyway, if you've got that ability, please let me know. I'd love to uh, hang out with you. you know. yeah, he, he says, let there be light and light appears. You know, he says, let the ocean be separate from the land, and it happens. Here's God. I mean, we we say, oh, this guy, he's got such an ability to create wealth. No, he's found a way 
to get money into his bank account. He can't create it. Nobody can create wealth. They're just good at business. They just, they just found a way to actually access what God has already put there. God created it. At His word. Though He was rich, yet for our sake He became poor. In other words, Him coming here to earth and living out the life, even if He was the richest man, that was not His purpose, that was not why He came. But even if He was the richest man that walked at that point in time, he still would have been poor compared to the, what he had in heaven, right? So, though he was rich yet, for your sake, your sake, he became poor, so that through his poverty, you might become rich. So, his purpose, this is what it's saying about his purpose. His purpose was lived out here on earth, not for himself to come here and say, look who I am, I'm Jesus. Can you imagine? This is me. Here I am. Look at me. I'm amazing. Bow down and worship me because I'm incredible. He could have done that. He could have shown up and in splendor as God and gone, I am God. You will bow. And everybody would have in fear gone, oh my gosh, there is Jesus. Oh, okay, it's all about, okay, I get it now. I am bowing down because he is scary. He could have done that, but he didn't. Though he was rich, he came and made himself poor in order for us to see him. And to see his true nature. And it is a true nature of love. And he served. That's the nature of the gospel for us. That we have this Jesus, this God who loved us so much that he died the life, he died the death that we were meant to die. But he was God and he rose again and just said, come follow me and you're going to find life in me. That's the essence of the gospel. What Jesus came and did was not about himself. It was about you. It was about others. So Jesus even living out his purpose and destiny and calling was not in himself. It was actually in others. Now there's two people I want to juxtapose in the Bible for you to help you see where we kind of stand with God when we encounter him. I believe that and I pray that for every person that comes into this room when we're doing church or for every person that goes to a connect group across the city that we, that we host or comes to a prayer meeting or whatever we might be doing as a church would encounter God. But whenever you encounter God, you're going to be faced with two decisions that you have to make or a decision that you have to make. And, and you could see it in these two people. There's Isaiah, who is a prophet in the Old Testament, and he kind of puts it really well. Isaiah, it's in Isaiah chapter 6, and it's verses, verse 8, one of my favorite scriptures. The whole chapter is just incredible. But, but here is Isaiah who encounters God. He encounters God, and he's blown away, and uh, all sorts of stuff happens. But there's this moment where Isaiah says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? <laughs> Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Who's going to be the one that carries this message? Who's going to be the one that lives not for themselves, but for someone else? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And I'm going to leave that up to you to find out what Isaiah did. But let me tell you something. 
He changed a nation. He changed everything. The way God used Isaiah, I mean, he's got a book in the Bible, okay, that's lasted. This particular book, Isaiah, was probably written around about 3,000 years ago. He made a difference, not from living for himself, but being open to when he encountered God and when God began to call him and say, who's going to live for me? He said, I, 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 here I am, God, send me. But a lot of the time what tends to happen, and maybe not in this church, but you know, we, we see God, we're, here I am, send him. <laughs> here I am, God, send them. Oh, I like the feeling, it feels nice. Oh, yeah, I can feel it. Mm. I feel the vibe. It's a nice vibe. It's nice. I feel it. I feel it. Here I am. Send them. It's what happens. Because we're really scared because the world has taught us, the system of the world has taught us that if you want to find it, you've got one life. You better not waste it. All of these messages that are coming out that are, that are projected at us all the time. And we get fearful when this God stands before us and says, give up everything and follow me and then you will find it. We get really scared of that. I mean, it scares me. Who, anybody else in the room get scared about that? I get scared about that. It's confronting. Then there's another guy. See, Isaiah, he goes, and, he goes and changes the world. He goes and makes a difference. But then there's this other guy. In Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 31, it's a little bit long, and I'm just going to race through it. And I can't, this, this is going to raise some questions for you um, because there's some other themes that are going on here. But I want to use this guy as an example of someone who encountered God and yet never got to find out what his real calling was. He's called the rich young ruler. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a good question. Obviously, he's thought about this question. He's a smart guy. Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these, well, I'm pretty good. I don't know if you know about me, but I'm a big deal. All these I've kept since I was a boy. It doesn't really say that. <laughs> you guys are, okay, I'm moving too fast. Anyway, all these I've kept since I was a boy. Verse 21, Jesus looked at him and, and loved him. One thing you lack, this is Jesus. He said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Whoa. Now, this is like not fair. This is not fair. This has not been fair right now because it's like if you were standing here, you encountered Jesus. If he turned up in front of you in the flesh right now and you said, okay, Jesus, what is it I need to do? He said, listen up, y'all. Come follow me, but first go sell everything. What would you do? Would you be confronted by this? I would be. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Well, there you have it. Money can't buy happiness because he was sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked round and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, 
How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, have you ever thought about a camel going through the eye of a needle? That's a weird picture. Jesus had a weird brain. Like, that's like weird. I was like, Jesus, okay, that's pretty creative. Okay, good on you. Kind of like me. A little strange. The disciples were even more amazed. And, and his own disciples, they were shocked at what Jesus was saying. And they said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with this man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. Good on you, Peter. He's that guy that always speaks up before everybody else. There's always one in the room. Then Peter spoke up. We've left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. You've got to understand, because a lot of people just read this one bit and then they miss out on this bit. This is the good bit. Okay, you're listening? Verse 30. Will fail to receive. Does that say, what does that say there? What does it say on there? I can't see it. Truly, I don't know. Brother, sister, mother, father, Jordan Fields. For me and the gospel will fail to receive. It does say 100 in the Bible. Anybody want a hundred times what you've got already? Come on, be honest. What's wrong with you people? Yes, Rohan, I heard you. It's going to... A hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. <laughs> but I'm coming to the next part and I'm going to explain it. You know, the unfortunate thing about that young ruler is Jesus actually wanted to give him way more than he already had. But what he was saying to that young man was, trust me with everything. And when we stand before God, we stand before him and he says, will you trust me with your very life? Because for that rich young ruler and for all of us, actually, I mean, you can come and talk to me if you feel different, that's good. But for me, I would, I would say generally people would be like, you're giving up all your money, you're giving up your life. Because you can't live without money. It's kind of like giving up air. It's kind of like giving up, you know, water. It's like you, you try and live in Bombay without money for a second and you're going to be on the street, right? Unless you've got some rich friends who might bail you out for a little while. But even then, they're going to get sick of it, right? But see, Jesus was not trying to make this guy poor. He was not trying to make this guy into something that he was not. What he was trying to put his finger on was the thing that this guy was actually living for. This guy was missing his purpose because he was living for money. And I think this is an apt word for us. It's so many people have made financial and economic decisions and missed their purpose and are living out lives that God didn't mean for them. It's like 
when you've got a V8 motor, like it's got eight cylinders, it's a V8 motor, and one of the cylinders is going, but there was eight more that were meant to be functioning. That's what happens when we live for something just like money. And as we stand before God and we say, you know what, I want to live for you. Here I am, send me, but I'm keeping the money. It doesn't work like that. It's all in. It's just completely all in. This is not a message. I'm not preaching this message to get anyone's money. Just, just be, 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 uh, be happy with that. I, I, I'm, I'm just, but I know the power of wealth. I know it. And that's why Jesus touched on it. And for us, as a people, as a church, one of the things, one of the main things that is going to direct a person away from their purpose will be money. And, and, and the enemy, the devil, he knows that you've got a price. And he knows he, he's always going to be putting numbers up in front of you but to see how much you will be bought for. Anyway, I'm not going to go into that for now. But here Jesus also says, he says, you're going to, you're going to get 100 times as much along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life but many who are first will be last and the last will be first in fact that's where Jesus is saying there are going to be people who are you thought were, were, were living out their purpose but they're not they weren't they'll be at the end of the line but there are those who gave up everything to follow me. You'll see them at the front of the line. And, but along the way, there will be hardship. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not going to be easy. You, 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 you think living out your purpose and living out the thing that God has got for you is going to be easy. You're, you're, going to be, you can't stand for something and not have someone stand against you. You know, the moment you stand up for something, there's going to be someone who's got a different opinion. So, I mean, Jesus is like, well... You're going to have all of this. You're going to live out what, what I've got for you. But let me tell you something. The moment you stand up and say, well, I follow Jesus, there's going to be, you know, 30 people say, <laughs> you know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There'll be, there will be. But, 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 but we, 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 we live for Him, not for what others think of us. Right? There's this lady called Corrie Ten Boom. I want to put a photo up of her. She, she is like, this is such a cool story. She was, uh, she was a watchmaker, a Dutch watchmaker. And uh, she was actually the first woman uh, in Denmark to actually become a licensed watchmaker. I mean, this girl, she was a, a go-getter, right? Uh, she uh, came into World War II. She was a follower of Christ. And uh, her parents, when the Jews were beginning to get um, persecuted and killed and the Nazis were, were going after the Jews, they actually opened up their home. They began to open up their home and hide Jews in their home, okay? Um, now, here's a, su a successful girl, first, first woman, as I said, licensed, and she also had started a little youth group for women to help them and she would teach them how to, um, with handicraft and she taught them how to do all sorts of stuff and give them life skills and that was quite successful. Here's a leading person in the community that was raised up. But in 1940, the Nazis, they invaded the Netherlands. Among their restrictions was banning her youth club. And in May... 1942, a well-dressed woman came to the Ten Booms with, an, with a suitcase in hand and told them that she was a Jew 
Her husband had been arrested several months before. Her son had gone into, into hiding. And occupation and authorities had recently visited, visited her. So she was afraid to go back. She had heard that the Ten Booms had helped their Jewish neighbors, the whales, and asked if they might help her too. Caspar Ten Boom, Corrie's father, readily agreed that she could stay with them, despite the police headquarters being only half a block away. A devoted reader of the Old Testament, her father, he believed that the Jews were the chosen people and, that, and he told the woman, in, God, in this household, God's people are always welcome. The family then became very active in the Dutch underground, hiding refugees. They honored the Jewish Sabbath. The family never sought to convert any of the Jews who stayed with them. They just let them be. Thus, the ten booms began. The hiding place, as it was known in Dutch, or which was a word I can't pronounce. I'm not even going to try because there's people here who can probably speak it and I'll look like a duffer in front of them. Uh, Corrie and her sister Betsy opened their homes to refugees, both Jews and others, who were members of the resistance movement being sought by the Gestapo and its Dutch counterpart. They had plenty of room, although, because they were rich, they were, their dad was a successful businessman, they had this great big house, okay? They had plenty of room, although wartime shortages meant the that food was scarce. Every non-Jewish Dutch person had received a ration card, the requirement for a, obtaining weekly food coupons. Through her charitable work, Ten Boom knew many people in Harlem and remembered a couple who had a disabled daughter. Now, who would have known this, that looking after someone with a disabled daughter would change the destiny for a lot of people, like hundreds of Jews? Listen to this. The father was a civil servant, the father of this disabled child, who, was, who by then was in charge of the local ration card office. She went to his house one evening, and when, I, when he asked how many ration cards she needed, she says, I opened my mouth to say five, Ten Boom wrote in The Hiding Place, which is a book you could buy. But the number that unexpectedly and astonishingly came out instead was 100. He gave them to her and she provided cards to every Jew she met who would have starved otherwise. The refugee work done at the Beju by Ten Boom and her sister became known by the Dutch resistance. The resistance sent an architect to the Ten Boom home to build a secret room adjacent to Ten Boom's room for the Jews in hiding, as well as an alert buzzer to warn refugees to get up and out of the room as quickly as possible if the police came. On February 28, 1944, a Dutch informant named Jan Vogel told the Nazis about the Ten Boom's work. Around 12.30pm, the Nazis arrested the entire Ten Boom family sorry, it's an emotional story, I don't know why I'm crying, maybe, anyway, they were sent to, where's my, I can't say this word so don't laugh at me, Scheveningen, Scheveningen, yes, that place, prison, it was just a prison, when resistant, resistant, resistance materials and extra ration cards were found at their home, they were, they were arrested, Initially, Ten Boom Corrie, she was put into solitary confinement for her work. Now you go. She eventually got out. 
she survived. God was faithful. In fact, she got out by accident. She got out of prison. And she found out much later that all of the other women that were in with her all got gassed that day. And she somehow got out by some clerical er error. It was providence. It was God. And here's a story that we're reading about decades later of a woman who saved lives in circumstances that were dire, much more dire than anything I think any of us here are facing. But that's what she was born for. That was her calling. That was her purpose. And her purpose was tied up in God using her for others. Just like the Old Testament, the New Testament, and Jesus Christ himself. Our life is not for us. Our purpose is not for us. If you've been searching and looking, I don't know what it, I, what it is I was born for. I don't know what it is I was meant to be doing. I don't know. I, don't know. I just keep on coming up against this. And you can get to the very top of the pile and still have that question rattling in your mind. Was I born for this? Because it's not about you. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's about others. That's what it's about. And when you encounter God, He is going to put you in front of others. And maybe your story won't turn out like Corey Ten Boom's. Maybe it'll be smaller things. Maybe it'll be little things. Maybe there's stuff right now where you're like, no, nah, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to do it because it's others. It's others. But my point is this that I want to make today. There's a few things I just want to leave you with. First is this. When you encounter Jesus, the choice is yours. He leaves it up to you because that's what love is. Love gives a choice. It's not love if it's of no choice. You can either do one of two things. Here I am, Jesus, send me. I'll go anywhere where you tell me to go. I'll do it. Or you can say, here I am, send them. That's a question of trust. That's a question of trust. God is waiting for a people to rise up who would trust him. Secondly, just like Corrie Ten Boom was positioned, if she didn't have the wealth that she had, if she didn't have the influence that she had through that ration card officer, and if she didn't have the large house that she had, she wouldn't have been able to help out those Jews like she did. But my question is to you, in terms of your purpose and calling and destiny, is how would God use your position if you were to allow Him to? Because you'll find that that's how God will actually work. He'll work through the way He has positioned you. Well, I thought I positioned myself. It's all His. Third, be ready to say to God, where you call me, I will go. This is the scariest thing you can ever say to God because He takes you at your word. I remember saying this in youth conferences when I was a young lad. I was like in my teenager, just early 20s. And, and there was this youth pastor. His name was Jürgen. He now leaves a, leads a church in, um, in San Diego. And he had these big youth conferences that we used to help put together. And he was all about this, you know, live for God, 
And, and we'd get into these places and say, yes, I'm going to live for you, Jesus. And I'm going to do anything for you, wherever you call me. Wherever you call me in the world, I'm going to go, Lord. If you call me anywhere, I'm going to go. And then, then, I, then I married Rachel. And initially, when I, before marrying Rachel, I said, Rachel, I just want you to know before this goes any further, because I'm like, you're hot. I, I like you. I think you're awesome. I want to marry you. But before we take this any further... Uh, I ain't living in India, because you live in India, you, you're coming here, if this goes any further, over to Australia. I am never, I said those words, I am never moving to India. <laughs> never, capital N, never. It's not for me, I'm not that missionary type of person, no, I don't do that sort of thing. That's for those other people that are strangers that I don't understand, I don't get those people. Right, that's, what, that's how my brain worked, I was such a like, anyway... God challenged that. Ryan, I remember you said, anywhere. <laughs> I did not take that back. <laughs> but here we are, making a difference. And that's how God works. I believe I am calling, uh, living out my calling. But be ready for that. Every one of us will have to say to Jesus one day, He'll bring us to a place where you're ready. Might be right, might not be right now, right now. It might not be as big as like moving to another country. It's okay. Some of you are like, I've been trying to get out of this country for a long time. <laughs> you're where you call, if you send me, I'll go. Just give me the visa, Lord. Is that too far? Did I go too far? Okay, fine. <laughs> no, but seriously, we've got we to we get before God and, and be ready for Him to call us. He might call you anywhere. But I'll, I'll just give you my last thing. It's just to just, when He begins to call you, to start with the little things. He's going to call you with the little things before He calls you with the big things. You know? Like, I want to live out my purpose, my destiny. This Jesus, I, I've met Him. It's like, okay, Awesome. Uh, you get to church every Sunday, getting under the Word, you're, you're, you know, you're reading this, you're understanding this, you're, are you, are you, you know, are you, you've gotten involved in a team yet, you've, you're getting around other believers and beginning to grow with them, oh, no, 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 I don't want to do all of that, you know, I just want the big stuff, I want the big stuff, you know, the big idea, Corrie Tam Boom, you remember, Ryan talked about Corrie Tam, I'm a Corrie, I've got a big house, I can put a thing in it. I want that. Jesus might not be calling you into that right now. You know, we get excited about the big stories. But let me tell you something. The big stories are made up of all the little things every day. Right? And the little thing for you might just be showing up. The little thing from you might be just to get involved. The little thing for you might be just, okay, I've got to get to know this Bible. You know, I'm going to read this every morning. Every morning, I keep on turning on my phone and looking at my Instagram. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to look at my Bible. That might be your battle. <laughs> and if it is, good for you. Fight it. You're going to win it. You've got the Holy Spirit. He's with you. And He wants to show you stuff. He wants to take you on a journey. He wants to show you who He is. He wants to show you that He is faithful. There may be a battle that you have to win in yourself. There may be stuff that you have to go back to in your past that you didn't want to look at. You keep on, it keeps on like nagging your, your brains. You're like, I've got to go back and fix that up. And God's like, yeah, you've got to go back and fix that up. And you're like, I don't want to face those skeletons. But God is like, until you fix that up, you're not going to be able to do this. 
right? He does all of these things, these things, but, but because he's looking at the entire picture. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital, where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3Mumbai. Hey, it's Ryan here. If you enjoyed this message and you live in Mumbai, we would love to meet you in person. Why don't you come along 11.30 a.m. Studio 10 at Famous Studios in Mahalakshmi.